Uh, we uh, have been blessed in the month of August to hear from uh, friends, guests that will come and preach the word to us. Last uh, Sunday, we had the delight of, of sitting under the preaching of uh, Ken Keen. And uh, today we have Reverend Terry Robinson in the house. Uh, yep, round of applause for uh, Reverend Terry. Uh, great man of God. Um, he is here with his beloved wife, Janice, and the two of them have served on staff with crew for 44 years. So, uh, you know, he, he knows Abraham and Moses, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I felt, I just maybe feel, maybe I, f I feel that in my spirit I can do that with you, but um, you can you can holler at me later if I if I can't. <laughs> uh, for the last 25 years, uh, they've been serving with Crew Inner City in Detroit, a great ministry, uh, who we partner with here, especially during Thanksgiving. Them turkeys don't come out of nowhere, right? Uh, they give us not only turkeys but great love and direction um, on how to love our neighbors well here in 48214. So we thank you so much for that. And uh, Crew Inner City is an urban uh, compassion-based ministry of crew, and uh, their mission is to serve and mobilize the church to live out God's heart for the poor. Catch this part. I love this part. So all can grow in Christ and build spiritual movements everywhere. So all. So uh, love that vision and uh, ministry. Uh, Reverend Terry and Janice uh, go way back with Pastor Leon and Rebecca, great friends. And uh, they're good friends, therefore, of us, Mac, and co-laborers with us in the gospel. And so uh, we ought to treat them as such. Amen? And so uh, we're blessed to have you in the house with us, brother. Uh, as, 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 as we say, you know, I, I learned this in the South. Take your time, baby. Uh, so, you know, uh, we would just want you to feel comfortable. Come and preach the word to us. And uh, we uh, are a congregation who loves to sit under the preaching of the word and, and Lord willing, be doers of the word. And so uh, round of a, uh, uh, give a fresh welcome to uh, Reverend Terry as he comes up. And uh, Reverend Terry, come up and preach the word to us, brother. If you would, bow your heads with me just one more time for prayer. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to preach the Word of God to your people. Thank you indeed for Mac Avenue and all that they have done and are doing and will do for the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I ask now you would be pleased to allow me to preach the Word of God not for any form, fashion, or fame, but solely unto the glory of God and for the good of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, uh, Mac Ave. Uh, should I say, what up, though? <laughs> yes. Uh, and to those who are watching online, I greet you as well, indeed from, uh, yes, as Pastor uh, Kevin implied, I am an OG, yes, I, I take that with, with a lot of honor as uh, being an OG, 
uh, for the Lord. But it's, yes, it's good to, to be here and give a big shout out to my, again, African queen, uh, Janice. Yes, back there. And also uh, we have with us also one of our, our staff with Corinthian City, uh, Brother Jay Hill, who's here. I know he's no stranger to MacAv as well, uh, but he heads up all of our youth development. And uh, we just a few weeks ago, well, a month ago, had our jam camp down in Ohio. Had a great time. Jam stands for Jesus, Athletics, and Manhood, and where we take young men indeed and through the medium of sports, be able to share the gospel and also model manhood. And it's a great opportunity to have in reaching uh, young men for Christ who are high school age. And so uh, with that in mind, I'm going to continue your, your theme on evangelism. Certainly is dear to my heart. It's something that uh, my wife and I have been involved in sharing the good news since our college days. Matter of fact, it was someone who shared with me when I was in college uh, that really God used to bring my attention back to what it means to have a personal relationship one-on-one uh, with Jesus Christ. And since then, we've had the privilege of sharing the good news as well. So, um, as you can see, the title of my message this morning is Something good for the hood. Something good for the hood. And um, want to look at uh, we look at two passages uh, briefly indeed this morning. The first one comes out of John, the Gospel of John, chapter four, beginning at verse ten through fourteen. Very familiar, I'm sure, passage of scripture where Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman and having a uh, talk with her, a conversation. We pick up there in uh, verse 10, where it says, this is out of the New American Standard Bible. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. Something good for the hood. You know, a number of years ago, there was a commercial on television that says, Eating good in the neighborhood. Now, I know I'm not that old, okay, but it was a few years ago. Do you remember what restaurant that was associated with? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yes. All right. That's somebody back there. Yeah, Applebee's. Yes. Uh -huh. And that was sort of, uh, yeah, that was their line, okay? The idea is that they want us to remember that 
You know, Applebee's is the place to come to satisfy your hunger and to have a great time. Well, MacAv, the church of the living God, is a place where we serve up the best dishes for the soul. I love the way uh, in his contemporary translation of the New Testament by Jesus, Eugene Peters writes, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Let me say, indeed, there is something good for the hood. It is a preservative against moral decay and decadence. We are a lighthouse for people to find their way in the dark caverns of this world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Not talking about a building, but you and I. You and I, you and I are something good for our neighborhood. <coughs> well, what is this something good? I love the way you ask questions, MacAv. Uh, and so our theme, indeed, this morning is, you know, the mission of Jesus Christ is our mission in our neighborhoods of today. The mission of Jesus Christ is our mission in our neighborhoods of today. So why is that? Well, uh, let's go back to John 4 just for a quick minute here. It says, why? Why is that? Well, number one, I think because it addresses a common symptom. It addresses a common symptom. Look at verse 13 again. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Do you know that there are, of course you know this, there are all kinds of needs in our neighborhoods today. And people will use folk to meet their needs. Only God, though, can really meet the deepest needs of the soul. Jesus offered the woman living water, he says, which would never cause anyone to thirst. But indeed, girlfriend was trying to meet her needs through what? Men. And Jesus called out on this. Because she didn't see that you're going the wrong, you'll never be able to satisfy the thirst for your soul through all these relationships with men. But he says that, but God, Jesus, he is the fountain of living water. And so it's a common symptom. Everybody has this. We're born with a thirst that only God can satisfy. And so that's true in every neighborhood, on every block, east side, west side, southwest Detroit, north end, all through the suburbs, wherever you go. People are born with this thirst. But many of them, they try to look all different places, trying to meet that thirst. But only can be met in Jesus Christ. And so they need that living water because they're all suffering indeed from the same symptom. But secondly, the living water not only does it addresses the common symptom, but also it provides complete satisfaction. Complete satisfaction. Notice in verse 14, Jesus again says, Whoever drinks of the water that I would give him shall never thirst. 
shall never thirst. In the original language, that word, that, that, uh, the negative word never, is the Greek word uh, ume. And it, so it's literally, you can say, not, not thirst again. In other words, you know, it's basically Jesus saying that by no means, certainly not, it can never be that once you come to taste this living water, you'll never thirst again. Will that be a satisfaction there? Like what he's saying, satisfaction guaranteed. And only Jesus can quench our spiritual thirst. You know, the author C.S. Lewis called this, this idea, this hunger, this thirst, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. <laughs> ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. You ever felt that? Everyone who's looked at pornography has. Each time they look at the screen, it produces more cravings and less pleasure. Everyone who has been addicted to a substance has. It takes more to get the high, and the high gets shorter. Everyone who's been in a codependent relationship has. As relationships get worse, the feeling of needing the other person gets stronger. Everyone who's been proud, we need more and more applause, even as it matters less and less. And so the root of that is people trying to pursue happiness in something other than God. But the living water that he, that he offers, it gives you complete satisfaction. Like this water here, I need it because I get thirsty speaking. But Jesus says, there's a water that I want to give you. Oh, you'll never thirst again. But thirdly, he says this, not only does the dress is a common symptom, all other people have it, they all their souls are thirsty, not only does it give complete satisfaction, but also it's a continual source. A continual source. Notice, again, later in that same verse, Jesus says, but the water that I would give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. In other words, he says that this spring, this fountain, it will be available, it's accessible, and it is abundant. It's always there. <coughs> That's why it's always satisfied as we go to him, as we grow in that relationship, as we seek him, as we spend time with him. It is constantly springing up. It's constantly satisfying our need, whether it be for, uh, for significance, our need indeed for security, our need indeed to be somebody. It's, it's there. And so despite what's going on, there is a sense of, Oh, of peace in the midst of any storm that comes. That's what he offers. And that's what's something good for our hood. And that's why, indeed, we need to be involved. But unlike Mac, I mean, I'm sure Mac Ave is not this way, but most churches, I noticed that the community 
is not beating down our doors on Sunday morning to get in. That's just a fact. You know, we got this living water, so why is he not coming? Why are they not there? It's lining up to receive this. Well, I like the way this one excerpt, uh, I want to read you real quickly, from uh, says, preaching to um, the middle class. It says, I was hungry, and you formed the Humanities Club, and you discussed my hunger. Thank you. I was in prison, and you crept off quietly to your chapel in the cellar and prayed for my release. I was naked. In your mind, you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick, and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless, and you preached to me of the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you left me alone to pray for me. You seem so holy, so close to God. But I'm still very hungry and lonely and cold. That may be where a lot of us are right now. And even though we know this is the living water, but why is it indeed that we don't share it? Or, of course, is how do we bring the living water, this something good, to our hood? Again, I love the way you ask questions, uh, Mac. So, in the book of Isaiah, I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning, there, in a very uh, chapter, uh, beginning at Isaiah chapter 61, but a little bit about the book of Isaiah, you know, it is uh, 66 books, just like, uh, 66 chapters, excuse me, just like there's 66 books in the Bible, there's 66 chapters. And the first 39 chapters, interesting, kind of parallels really the Old Testament, and that, you know, it talks a lot of, you know, about the retribution of God. You see God's holiness there, God's uh, condemnation of sin. But then chapters 40 through 66 talks about the restoration like the New Testament does. And there you see the greatness of God, the grace of God, the glory of God. And so in uh, chapter 61 of Isaiah... It's interesting, this is the same verse that Jesus quotes when he's at his home synagogue there. He's given the book, and they open up to this particular chapter, and he reads it to them. And that's when he sits down and says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. But we're going to use it also to look at how we actually bring this living water to our community. There's something good for the hood. Number one, when in verse one he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedoms to prisoners. Particularly verse, that first part of that verse, the spirit of of the Lord God is upon me. Number one, principle one, receiving, we must, if we're going to bring this living water to our community, we must, uh, first of all, receive his power for ministry to the community. We got to receive his power for ministry to the community. 
Maybe you've heard about the two women who stood side by side on the sidewalk in the middle of the night watching the only church in the neighborhood burn to the ground. And as they stood there, one woman finally turned to them and said, huh, this is the first time I've seen you at church. And girlfriend replied real quickly without missing a beat, this is the first time I've seen the church on fire. Well, she's not alone. There are a lot of people in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces who might be interested in learning more about Jesus if they could just see the church on fire. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus says to his apostles in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And so he says, indeed, that really before you can go out and proclaim, whether you can go out and begin to love and care, you first of all must be endowed with power from on high. Now, if you're born again, if you are a follower of Christ, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is resident in your life. He's resident in every Christian's life. That's how you're born again. But guess what? Even though he's resident in every Christian's life, he's not the president in every Christian life. <laughs> See, that's a difference, isn't it? We all are residents here in the United States. But whether you like it, there's only one president, okay, who basically directs and calls the shots. Likewise, to be filled with God's Spirit means that he is the president in your life. He's guiding. He's leading. He's controlling. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Paul says this, uh, but do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation or excess. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. Now, it's interesting why he draws this analogy about drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit. Well, here's why. Now, take this by faith because I know that none of you have ever been drunk, but trust me. <laughs> you know, you can catch a person who can be, during the, during the week, very meek, mild-mannered, quiet. But there's something about when they get alcohol in them that what it changes them, doesn't it? You know, they, they, you know, a person who was usually very quiet at the party, they get alcohol, they get drunk. Well, you can't shut them up now. <laughs> you know what? They changed. Like, what caused the change? Well, it was, it was the alcohol. Well, Paul is saying, well, look, well, you, know, you don't want to be drunk with wine, but when you're filled with the Spirit, he causes a change in your life. <laughs> where you are now courageous, uh, you are bold, you are loving, you are peace, you are gentle, you are kind, you are faithfulness. You're no longer self-centered, you are other-centered. And so, yes, it brings about a change. Because, you see, none of us, I can't lead anybody to Christ. But God can. But he wants to use you and I. But first, we have to give him what? 
control. How many of you, you've gone over to one of your friend's house, and uh, you come in, and you say, uh, Jay, make yourself at home. Now, you don't really mean make yourself at home. <laughs> what you mean is, Jay, you stay right here in the den or the living room until you're told otherwise, okay, to serve dinner. But okay, if he clearly said, okay, make yourself at home, let's say he gets up, he goes into the kitchen, opens up your refrigerator door, you know, he's pulling stuff out, or he goes upstairs to the bedroom, you're going to call 911 and say, I have a crazy guy over here. But you're going to say, but wait a minute, but Terry, you said make yourself at home. When we want God to fill us with his spirit, we're saying make yourself at home. <laughs> Not just on Sunday morning at church, but you have the freedom to go to any room in my life. Go in the closets, pull out the drawers, whatever needs to be cleaned out. Make yourself at home in my life. And so that has to be primary. If we're going to do anything in terms of something good for the hood, Jesus has to be the Lord of our lives. And that we're feeling so it's so really at that Ephesians 5:18, that's a command. That's not a suggestion. Because he realized that we cannot be affected without his power. And he promises us, in 1 John 5, 14, 15, he says, if you ask anything according to my will, he hears us. And we can know that we have the request. And so, MacAv, I ask you this morning. Who's on the throne of your life this morning? Who's on the throne? It's either Christ or self. But if we're going to be bringing this living water, Christ needs to be on the throne. And it can be very simple. Even right now, you can pause and just say, Lord Jesus, Take control of the throne of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit as you commanded me to be filled and as you promised. Thank you for taking control. Thank you for filling me. Now lead and guide me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. And so we did. That's, that's a daily commitment, a daily surrender. As you do that, God will begin to use you. Just like you said, let this, you know, show me your love so I can see those around me. Yes. And so that's why Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we have to indeed, we have to be indeed receive his power. But secondly, When he says, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I had that. Secondly, we got to be reaching out to the needs in our community. Reaching out to the needs in our community. 
And I know that MacAv, you've been doing a wonderful job over the years in this. But, you know, you want to make it hard for anybody to go to hell for Mac Avenue in this community. Because you're so involved, indeed, in meeting the needs. And we often say this in crew, people do not care what you know until they know that you care. People do not care what you know until they know that you care. And so that's why, indeed, Meeting, identifying, listening to what the needs are in the community, and meeting those, like the backpack uh, outreach that you're doing. Tremendous opportunity, yes, to care. Uh, during Thanksgiving with the boxes of love, I know you have uh, uh, the sports teams, and you do for youth, and even the fact that the commons, all those are ways just caring, meeting needs. Yes, that's so important. So Jesus and those you know, are there people who are with afflictions in our community? Yes. Are there, are there those indeed who are brokenhearted? Yes. Are there people who are captive and prisoners to the flesh, to sin? Yes, yes. All of these. And these are needs. And it's definitely those who mourn, who grieve over loss. How many times do you turn on the news? And there's a mom grieving over the loss of a child, of a son or a daughter who's been shot, who's been murdered. They mourn. It's in every neighborhood across our city, grieving the loss, needing someone who can come alongside to comfort them. That's, what, that's, that's you and I. That's part of the living water that we bring as we come alongside and comfort indeed those who mourn, as we help those indeed who have been captive indeed to sin, to bind up the brokenhearted. It's interesting that there's no accident that this is the first need that Jesus identifies with as the Messiah in terms of preaching the good news. He begins with the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then he begins to mention all of these needs that, he, that he's come to give. And he wants to continue to meet those needs through you and I. And so now, don't get it twisted, though. This is no excuse for not doing evangelism, meaning we got to be able to not only to share the good news with our life, but also we got to be able to communicate it with our lips, okay? And so each of us needs to know how to share what? The plan of salvation, how to communicate the good news, when they come to you and say, brother, what must I do to be saved? You should be able to answer that question. Not just, wait, wait, let, 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 let me call uh, Pastor Kevin or let me get uh, Pastor Leon. Well, to know you need to be able, able to share, able to tell. Here is the plan of salvation. Need to do the call upon the name of the Lord. All of us need to be equipped. 
because Pastor Leon, Pastor Kevin, they can't be everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why you're on that block. There's a reason why you're on that job. Work with those people. Oh, you're a reason why you're there in that school with those classmates. You are there. And so, yes, as you're caring for people, but also you got to be able to, when that, when the opportunity comes, able to communicate real clearly, lovingly, the plan of salvation with them. So we got to receive his power. We need to be reaching out to the needs in the community. And thirdly, we need to raise up indigenous leaders from the community. It says, verse 4, then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. The they in this verse is antecedent to what was in verse 3, those who mourn, those who were faint of spirit, those who were once captive, those who were once brokenhearted. Once they drink of the living water, then God is going to use them to rebuild the streets. I love this story here about a young lady named uh, Antoinette, Tony for short. Uh, she had become worn down by years of beatings and verbal abuse from her husband. She could see no way of escape. Her self-confidence had been shattered. She had been blocked from establishing any relationships. She couldn't be given counsel or support. And then one day it happened. Her husband shot at her and the bullet gazed her face. Fearing for the safety of her children, she would get out or die trying to escape. So she gathered children together, slipped out of the house. She was in such panic, she left her children's shoes behind. And this is what she says, and she reflects back on that time. She says, we had no place to stay and nothing to eat. We ended up staying in an abandoned house that had been pretty much destroyed in a fire. She later recalls how she would plead with a shopkeeper for some noodles to feed her kids. He would give her whatever he could spare. One day the store was closed, so she went around to the back dumpster hoping to find something to feed her kids. As she opened the lid, a rat jumped out with a chicken in its mouth. She said, I was so angry and humiliated at the same time because the rat had got to the food before she did. She said, it was then that I knelt down, I cried and prayed. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. Give me another chance. Just show me some light at the end of the tunnel. And so it was there that Tony came into connection with a church right there in the neighborhood who reached out to her and her children. 
and they provided her with a house. And actually, um, uh, she later, also in this situation, met another young man who was a recovering drug addict who later became her husband. She wanted to go back to work, but was told her kids were too young for that. So by looking through the yellow pages, she found a course and later incentive program, which included a high school degree. She got a job at the local cleaners, where she could watch her kids playing behind the counter. She got her GED, went on to business school, earned a degree. Matter of fact, got two degrees. And her and her husband bought a home on the east side of Detroit in a neighborhood called Ravendale. And under her leadership, residents in 35 of the 38 blocks organized block clubs. Crime was reduced by 42%. Drug trafficking was, was basically went way down. A park stands where notorious crack houses stood. It's nothing like what it was when she first moved in. There are Tonys right here in this neighborhood. All they need is for someone to reach out, to share the living water, to love and care, and God will do the rest. In raising up late, they will be the ones who will help restore the streets, bring back the safety, clean up our boys. It will be them. They just need someone like a Macav that God wants to use uh, to come alongside and help them. Indigenous leadership. Again, there's nothing wrong, yes, with our brothers and sisters who want to come from the outside, but they can assist. But God wants to do the real work with those who live here. Uh, they will be the restorers. Uh, So we shall be committed indeed to trusting, believing God, to raising up indigenous leadership. And then finally, uh, I'm just going to read verses 7 through 11. I'm just going to read verse 10 and 11, though. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with the garland, as a bride adorns herself with the jewels. For as the earth brings forth the sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God would cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The only first, how do we begin? We got to first receive the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. We need to be, uh, when I said receive, he, him become president, not just simply resident. Two, we got to be reaching out to meet the needs of our community, salt and light. But along with that, sharing the good news, committed helping to raise up, trusting God, indigenous leadership, but then rejoicing in the Lord with the community. Rejoicing in the Lord with the community. What is it about joy that is so vibrant? What is it about joy? You know, Christmas time, one of the biggest seasons of the year is Christmas, isn't it? Say, well, it's a season, a time of what joy. Uh, the parties, indeed, uh, when you're going to be on August, the, the backpack party, yeah, there's going to be a lot of joy there. 
uh, there's talk. There's talk about the Lions possibly winning championship. Season ticket holder, they've already sold out. People just kind of looking for some joy. What is it indeed about joy indeed that causes this such a sort? Well, one, you know, joy, rejoicing in the Lord brings glory, first of all, to him. It brings glory to God when we are rejoicing, when we are grateful, when we are worshiping. It brings glory to him. But also when it does that, it's a visible witness to the world of the reality of our faith in Christ. You say, that, what is it? Why are they so joyful? When I run into these Christians there in MacAv. What is the bother that they have such a positiveness? Even in the midst of all this dirt and stuff that's going on, there's a sense where they have a peace, a calmness, a joy that the world didn't give. And what? The world can't take it away. Amen. Yes. And so along with that, we rejoice in the Lord with the community. In Acts chapter 8, it says that, when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ, and God blessed him in such a way that many Samaritans came, and verse 8 says, and there was great joy in that city. That's, that's the joy that's not just temporal. What they need, that's what, that's what our city needs. In neighborhoods just like this, what you are doing as people are, uh, lives are being changed and transformed. It'd be like, you know, Ezra, the book Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Ezra addressed the spiritual needs. Nehemiah addressed the physical needs. Esther addressed the social needs. But they all are important here. But when they hear it, people will see it. This, what is going on on the east side over there off Mac Avenue? Yes. They need to see it, <sighs> that the kingdom of God, there is something good for our hood, beloved. But I like the way Billy Sunday said it, old preacher said, if you have no joy in your religion, there's a leak in your Christianity. If you have no joy in your religion, there's a leak in your Christianity. So we have joy indeed for the past. God, sins are forgiven. Things in the present, how he's provisioned, but also in the future, an imperishable hope. Uh, let me close. You know, when the Titanic went under the ship, did you know that three messages had been sent that said to watch out for icebergs. Three messages. Because everything looked all right, the folks who took the message never passed it on. They never sent the warning out to people who needed to hear. And as a result, over 1,500 people lost their lives because they never got the message. You know what else was tragic? 
the lifeboats that were designed to carry people away from the seeking ship were only half full. And when they got out onto the sea and it was realized it was only half full, they were not willing to take the risk to go back to get others. Well, MacAv, there's a message that's very clear. It says that Jesus is returning. It says indeed that every person indeed who lives and dies is going to face a judgment. And if they do not have the blood of Christ that has been applied to their account, they're going to spend eternity in hell. There's a message very clear that God loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But too many Christians look and say, well, things are okay. It's all right. Who knows? You know, was it really true? But yes, it is true. 1,500 people lost their lives because they even never got the message. And others, because the folk who were in the safety wouldn't go back. May that, may that not be true of you and I, that we believe the message with all of our heart as God empowers us with his spirit, as we reach out to meet the needs in our community, both loving living the life, but also even with our lips sharing, seeing how God raised up an army of other people right here from the community, and then we rejoice with him that we will see as that Samaritan woman did and drank of this living water and she went back and told the whole community and they came and experienced it. God wants to use you and you and you. And so how do you feel about being a priest? You are. Not just in the Catholic Church. You and I, you are pre- we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent him. That's who you are. That's part of your identity. And so the question is, this week, what are you going to do as a priest? Maybe it's time to reach out just to that neighbor on your block. Maybe you need to, if you know someone who experienced a mourning, to go by and just uh, drop something off, some food, or just say, can I pray with you? What are you going to do this week to begin to live that out as a priest, as ambassador? Oh, yes, it is something good for the hood. But the container is you and I. Will we allow God to open us up and to share that living water? Macav, exhale still more. Don't be satisfied until each one of you 
is involved in sharing that good news. Father, thank you indeed so much for your word. Thank you indeed, I know, for MACAV. I know how much they're committed to meeting the spiritual and the physical needs in this community. But I pray that every member, every member, with only essential calling, but also God be willing to trust you to use them where you have them right now, whether it be in their family, on their block, on their jobs, in their schools, wherever, to bring this living water to a thirsty and hungry people. And so we would not be like those who, on the Titanic, who heard the message but wouldn't believe it, wouldn't communicate it, and wouldn't go back. But that even months and years down the road, we can rejoice together for what you've done right here in this community. For your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.